0: Hello and welcome to Bread and Thread, a podcast about food and domestic history. I'm Liz and I'm Hazel. We are two friends who studied archaeology together and who love history and making things. Um and we normally like to start by talking about what we have been making and or baking that is historically related or otherwise. So what's been going on? Um
1: so I've been working on the Granny Hexkin cardigan It's taking a little while because my wrist started hurting now that the weather is cold. Oh dear. Uh, But I did get the paper pattern pieces cut out for a dressing gown that I also wanted to make. Oh. And I made a chocolate fudge cake. So, like, I haven't done anything particularly exciting, but I've done some things and that's what (laughs) counts.
0: Those are all good things. Um... I, sorry, I slightly drifted off when you mentioned fudge cake. Um,
1: it's surprisingly easy to make chocolate fudge topping is the problem. You literally just make ganache, but instead of cream you use condensed milk.
0: I like the you said, you literally just make ganache, it's so easy. Like as if the average person just makes ganache all the time.
1: <laughs> ganache is way more straightforward than you think it is though. It's literally just chocolate and cream. If you go 50-50 mm. by weight, it's going to be about right. And then you replace the cream with condensed milk, and then you've got a chocolate fudge topping.
0: Oh, yum. That sounds amazing.
1: So, like, it it's one of those things that's like, oh, I could never do that. And then you look it up and it's like, I could do that in 10
0: minutes <laughs> with things that are already in my kitchen. Yeah, I think it just sounds fancy because it has a French name. Ganache. 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 <laughs> so what, have can you I you <laughs> what have you been doing <laughs> can you tell I've had a long day a little bit <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um, well I have been knitting my bat it is soft and fuzzy because I am using a brushed hacker yarn Um, So it's a swanky bat. With the body, it is a swanky bat. But I wanted it to be fluffy because bats are fluffy. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm making a pipistrelle. And if you look those up, they are the absolute sweetest little creatures. They have very cute faces and ears. I I love so much that you're basing it on an actual bat. This is not a generic bat. This is a pipistrelle. (laughs) It was going to be a generic bat. But... um, just just I can't do anything by halves apparently. <laughs> I I looked, I Googled I Google image search like just bat. Um ju- just to get an idea of colours. And then I was like, oh there's so many bats. Oh it would be so cool if I could make different bats. So then I had to do that. Um so this was gonna be if you make a
1: second, can I suggest the greater horseshoe bat? Because it's my favourite.
2: Is that all of the massive ears? hmm Hold on a second. Greater force to that. Oh, my God.
0: Oh, this one is a friend. Oh, his nose. <laughs> okay. I can give that one a go. It is wonderful. The next one I was going to make was going to be an Egyptian fruit bat, oh, because they're kind of yellow. Um,
2: and that's cool. It's cool. But I think if I mix my
0: yellow, um, fluffy yarn and my beige normal yarn, I will come out with something roughly the color of a horseshoe bat. So, the perfect mid-colored bat. <laughs> Excellent medium bat. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that is pretty much it because I have no loads of time. But I've got I've got a body. It is stuffed. Um, I have actually have I've, all the parts are made apart from the last wing. Um, I just need to do that and then sew it up. Um, are
1: you Are you saying that we might get a picture of a a knitted bat soon?
0: soon yes um it it w- will not be the most uh na- nature accurate pipistrelle but um i i just i just wanted something to aim for you know give it a little flavor mm-hmm. um <laughs> i know what it's flavor. supposed to be if no one else does <laughs> so yeah that's that oh and i made banana bread in a casserole dish because we don't have any loaf tins yet.
2: <laughs> but it worked. I mean, yeah. I mean, the banana, bread's banana bread is banana bread, is not it? It's already basically a cake. Exactly. Like.
0: It, but yeah, good, good times, good times.
2: Right. Would you like to hear
0: about a notable tree?
2: I would always like to hear about
1: a notable tree.
0: Now, um. Today's episode is based on some current breaking news. I mean, uh,
2: less current by the time the
1: episode goes out. That's true.
0: But, but still. Uh, we did have Edeline. an anonymous
1: Tumblr request. <laughs> we did. Of <laughs> this
0: this. Because of the news. <laughs> this was requested. Um, thank you to whoever, whoever requested it because this is going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> And it was it was headline news in the UK. Um and in fact has been reported in other countries as well. I did not know that. Yes. I think I saw an article about it in the Washington Post. Wild.
1: (laughs) What is this, this tree?
0: This is news that has caused absolute outrage across the country. Um and it is that a very famous tree was feloniously cut down in the night uh, on the 28th of September. And that tree uh, was called the Sycamore Gap Tree. It was, it was a sycamore. And it stood um, along Hadrian's Wall in a very sort of aesthetic gap between two hills um so we'll we'll put up one of the pictures of it Um, yeah when when the episode goes up i will put a
1: picture on tumblr and in the discord server
0: yeah because it's been photographed many times it's very very iconic it just stands perfectly in this gap between the hills um and there's loads of pictures of it like in silhouette or just different kinds of weather this tree was in the 90s robin Hood movie. Um, i did not know that yes it was i forget what what part of the movie it was in um but it was in the 90s robin hood movie um and there's a famous scene of it in that um it was also voted english tree of the year in 2016 and i love that that's a thing has has this been run multiple years or was it just special for 2016? It's run by the Woodland Trust. No, no, I think they do it every year, which is amazing. Um, yeah, brief detour while I find out what <laughs> the tree of the year was this year.
1: In the meantime, if you're in the UK, check out the Woodland Trusts. They're really cool.
0: Um, yeah, they are great. Uh, Oh, so Tree of the Year winner last year, 2022, was the Waverley Abbey U. Ooh. Um, Which is looking pretty cool. There's a shortlist out for this year now. Uh, So if you are so inclined, go to the Woodland Trust website. It's voting um,
2: open. Can we vote on the Tree of the Year?
0: You can. You can indeed.
2: (laughs) Okay, this is now a call to arms to go and vote for your favourite tree.
0: There are some great contenders. One's in Manchester. Oh, which what tree? Manchester poplar. I'm not Um, aware of the Manchester poplar. The black poplar tree is a reminder of Manchester's industrial heritage. As manufacturing in the city boomed, soot and air pollutants from coal-burning factories killed many of the city's trees, but the black poplar was found to thrive despite the conditions. Uh, It's in Gorton.
1: Oh, I've not been to Gorton. That's why I'm not aware of
0: it. Mm. So this is one of the lost ones that are left Uh, yeah pretty large anyway so back to
2: our headline story Mm -hmm. Um,
0: the sycamore gap tree um, as I said was cut down anonymously in the night it's not just that it's come down it's deliberately been cut with a chainsaw and this caused absolute widespread outrage people are just so angry about this tree i don't know whether it's because it feels like there's so much we can't do anything about at the moment but this flipping tree like you know (laughs) (laughs) at least we had an
1: iconic thing though like it's
0: (laughs) at least we had a nice
1: tree (laughs) i grew up near hadrian's wall for a while
0: Mm -hmm. It's like it's a landmark. i I mean, yeah. Like it's. Just, it just seems like such a senseless thing to do. I guess they didn't um, even take the tree with them. No, it's, they didn't yes, even take the wood. They just killed a tree and left. It, it is basically this. It is a. It is a tree murder. <laughs> That's what it is, and we don't know why they did it. Um. There's this picture which I will put on the Tumblr. Um, of what is literally a police crime scene around this tree. They've got the blue
1: tape and everything.
0: Yeah, there's police tape. There's a guy in a high-fist coat sort of staring at the stump. And then there's this tree just lying next to it. I mean, it's it's absolutely atrocious. Don't get me wrong. I'm also mad about this. Um, But this particular picture was just also a little bit funny. It is kind Um, of funny. (laughs) Yeah so far two people have been arrested oh one of them is a 16 year old so the plot thickens um there's still no word on on why it happened so um i i I will be following the story um for one yeah if there's if there's any updates like by the time
1: we post this we're going to have to update the people.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Bread and Thread Tumblr will continue posting up to the minute news. <laughs> as the situation unfolds. Although you will have to do that because I'm away. Uh, okay. Um, I'll be on yes. a train when this episode goes up, <laughs> probably. I will do my best to um, carry on with our heart-hitting journalism. <laughs> um, but what about sycamores in general? anyway yeah why they're interesting so um trees (laughs) as you know we we like to keep it current on the podcast so um it was a perfect time to do an episode about the sycamore tree and thank you to whoever requested that so the sycamore Acer pseudoplatanus of the sapindaceae family
2: Um, It's actually a maple.
0: And it's called a sycamore, apparently, because it was confused with the sycamore fig, which appears in the Bible. Which is odd, because it doesn't really look anything like the sycamore fig.
2: Yeah, like, is this confusion
1: or is this deliberate conflation where they just went... This thing there is is probably like this thing in the Bible, right?
0: Um, Potentially. I'm not sure, and I couldn't really find any information on exactly where this came from. Um, Because...
2: I mean, this is what the sycamore fig looks like. Um, And I mean, it's a tree. It does not look like a sycamore tree. It's certainly a tree,
0: but it has figs on it.
1: It's Yeah, it's shorter and squatter and different colours and has figs. But apart from that, it's exactly the
2: same. (laughs) Um, So there's that.
0: Um, And furthermore, the sycamore tree is native to Central, East and Southern Europe. It's not actually native to Britain. Everywhere. Where did when did we get them? Uh, there's conflicting stories about this. So, it may have been introduced by the Romans, um, but we don't really have any hard records until around the fifteenth century, um, and we, we don't have records of it appearing in the wild until the seventeenth century. So it was deliberately introduced from the continent, um, but it is relatively recent, actually. Um, Although in Scotland, um, there is a a Scottish um, word, an ancient Scottish word for the sycamore, which potentially could mean that it is an archaeophyte which is a fantastic word. Um, It is. (laughs) And that is a species which is not native, but was introduced to a place um, in such ancient times that it's extremely naturalised. Archaeophyte. Fantastic, isn't it? (laughs) So it is possibly an archaeophyte, at least in Scotland. Um, But uh, we don't have that many records of it. Uh, South of the border. Before the seventeenth century, sycamore trees um have pretty large leaves. they have flowers on them that grow in spikes in the spring uh, and then they produce these winged fruits um so I don't know if you have you ever played helicopters with the yeah the, there seed? was a
1: sycamore tree like right next to the fence of my primary school, so we would we would. Like, we would play helicopter a lot, which was basically um. when you would pick up the seeds and drop them from the same height and hope that yours
2: spun round to the ground fastest. Yeah, it's... Oh, it's, it's so much fun. Especially fun after they banned conkers.
0: They banned conkers at your school? Well, people would hit each other with them. Yeah, that sounds like something kids would do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, part of conquer was like accidentally missing the other person's conquer, right? Oh and yeah, like in whacking hand.
2: people in the knuckles. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, that would be have I, we ever done? I feel like a local. Would that count as a local larder, given that it's technically a game and you don't eat them? But I just want to talk about the absolute like I mean, rage. We of, <laughs> can definitely do an episode on horse chestnuts. Yeah, that would that would work. That would work because I just want to talk about the absolute like rage if anyone cheated and baked their <laughs> conquer <laughs> oh it was putting it in vinegar at my school ah so many tricks um can't do that with a sycamore fruit i'm afraid no. um you just have to hope that yours spins the fastest anyway um i learned uh recently that the seed or the the fruit of the sycamore tree is actually called uh samara oh yes well, like the nice name yeah and the sycamore tree can live for 400 years, which in the scope of some trees isn't that long, but it's also quite a long time. That, that's cool. Actually, instead of my notes, um, here in my notes, instead of can live for 400 years, I've written can love for 400 years, <laughs> which is adorable. They can
1: live, laugh and love. <laughs> So if we have records of them in England from the 17th century, that means mm-hmm. there's a chance that there's some from then that are still going.
0: There are some extremely old sycamores, and I will get that later. Excellent. Um, the reason they are so naturalised is because that um, you just find them everywhere, is because sycamores have a very fertile seed, and they're actually really good at just like colonising everywhere. <laughs> they just spread.
1: Are they um, just—they're like,
0: just the mint of trees, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, so they just kind of get everywhere. In fact, in some countries, like in the US, apparently they're considered an in- invasive species. Um. And there is a French proverb that translates as "preaching chastity to maples is like preaching in the desert."
1: I like that because it implies that the thing that they, they're cautioning against is telling maples to be
0: chased. Yeah. Like that I... is the goal of these French people, is to tell the trees no more breeding. <laughs> I feel like there might be some kind of layer of meaning to it, but I can't work out exactly what it is. <laughs> if,
1: if you're French, let us know if there's some meaning we're missing.
0: Yes. I don't know whether it could be something like, um you know trying to get things to stop what's in their nature is never going to work but i i don't know
1: cuz it's it's just comparing something that is impossible to something that is not going to get you very
2: far and i'm unclear i'm just unclear <laughs>
0: me too <laughs> um there are several species that are related to the trees there's a sycamore moth of which the caterpillar is fantastic um the moth itself is relatively unremarkable i mean i love moths but this one is pretty brown and barky um the
2: caterpillar looks like this it is bright yellow and orange with spots on and very
1: furry that is magnificent that is a full-on like that is just a pipe cleaner (laughs) exactly
2: (laughs) it is wonderful
1: i don't know how but I've never seen one and I'm so glad that I now know what they look like.
0: I will be on the lookout, definitely. Um we, we do have some syndical
1: trees in like the local woodland. So I'm gonna have to keep an eye out.
0: Yeah, definitely. Go out and is it would it be spring, do you think, when when caterpillars are about? I don't know that I much about. As- I have to assume. Yeah.
1: I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure caterpillars are a spring thing.
0: Alright, go out. And, and try and find some because they look pretty easy to spot. <laughs> um, and they're also very attractive to aphids. These trees, um, so oh no. they can get quite sticky. Um, in terms of uses, getting more to the domestic history part, mm-hmm. um, there are some really good ones. So, um, it's a very good wood. It's a really hard wood. Um. And it was useful for a lot of things in sort of carpentry and joinery. Um, But also, more particularly, um, it's been used for cooking utensils because it sort of doesn't deteriorate um, in the hot water and the cooking process. Uh, Apparently, it was used extensively in Wales for making love spoons. Um, And I know you know a lot about that. We will hopefully be
1: having a guest on Who Knows More Than Me to do a Love Spoons episode soon We will
0: um,
1: Which would be excellent Um, But very briefly What is a Love Spoon? Um, It's basically a a traditional Sort of lover's gift Where you carve different symbols Into a wooden spoon That is then generally decorative Um, I recently found out that my grandparents have one Which is, is cool
0: Oh, fantastic! Yeah, so sycamore is good for those. Apparently, um, it's a wood that also doesn't stain, so it was also used for textile rollers. Um, so it's it's not going to stain your freshly woven textiles. I imagine that also makes it really good for
1: cooking in like the modern day, when when we've got like
2: turmeric. Yeah, I imagine so.
0: I mean, I don't know, turmeric is infamous for staining everything, so I don't know if it's, like, the sycamore's met its match in that. Experimentation required. Um, But uh, not just the wood, and this is one of my favourite ones, uh, the sap of the sycamore tree can be tapped like any other maple, and used to make syrup or beer
2: sycamore beer yes um and i'm trying to find out if you can actually get any beer made with sycamore sap um, feels, feels like something really specialist that
1: you'd have to buy from like a really crunchy store.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a a pale ale called Sycamore Gap, but it's not actually made of sycamore. Oh, boom. Um, <laughs> there's a Sycamore Brewing Company in North Carolina. I d- I don't think they use sycamore. Um,
2: so, if anyone.
1: I bet there's somewhere in like the northern US or in Canada that does maple syrup beer though, which has got to be
0: similar. I bet that's a thing. It's got to be. So, presumably, the same process for making sycamore beer. Mm. I mean, I've made made honey beer. It has to be
1: pretty similar, I imagine. Yeah. Just in honey,
2: you use substitute with any form of sugar, right? Mm hmm. Okay, I one day, <laughs> one day I will resurrect the sycamore beer. Um.
0: Anyway, sycamore trees themselves um are quite hardy. They are quite resistant to pollution, which makes them a good street tree. So a lot of the trees that you'll see in cities will be sycamores. Um, and they're also pretty tolerant of coastal environments, which. Some trees aren't, so they're often used as a windbreak. Planting a line of trees, um, especially near the coast, um, so they're they're pretty good. So there's a lot of uses. I guess um, it's
1: part of why they spread so well as too. If they're just that hardy,
0: yeah, they just can really
1: show up wherever. Like, hi, I'm with a tree here now. <laughs>
0: this is where I live now. Deal with it. um they they just seem really good at being trees honestly
1: (laughs) oh isn't that what we all hope for ourselves
2: yeah (laughs) just to
0: just to be the best we can be oh i meant specifically being the best tree we can be oh okay i mean yeah sure that's an even better goal
2: oh i would love to be a tree so much
0: But fortunately, the Sycamore is there to inspire us all. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, In terms of folklore, there really wasn't as much as I thought there would be. Because there's a lot of folklore around trees, right? Um, Yeah, it's like a thing. It is like a thing, especially in in Celtic folklore. Um, But no, um, certainly not in British folklore. um, And that could be put down to it being recent um species uh not having had time to to develop the <laughs> ancient folklore but um i couldn't find that much from uh the continent either so if anyone out there knows of any sycamore related traditions or folklore please write in and let us know i would love to um but unlike other trees such as the rowan, the ash, the oak, um, even the hazel. It's really not got that much folklore around it. Um, one thing I did find is that in Cornwall, it's associated with May Day, um, and sometimes locally known as the May Tree, and uh, people would go out That's to collect. incredibly confusing. It is confusing because I know the May as the hawthorn. <laughs>
1: Yes yeah, same. Like there's
0: yeah.
1: there's, a, there's 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 a, a phrase here where I am about May which refers to Hawthorne.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's I mean it's same down here. So I don't know if it's just Cornwall. Um but it is confusing. Anyway, people go out to gather may branches from the sycamore tree um and <laughs> use them for decoration and then also apparently it was traditional to use the twigs to make whistles. Fun. Um, which is is very cute. Which also led to it know, being known locally as the peeweep tree. The peeweep? Yeah. That's, that's adorable.
2: <laughs> it's, I love it's it. So cute. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. So, not that much from the realm of folklore, but would you like to know about some notable? Sycamore trees. I absolutely
1: would like to know about some notable sycamore trees.
0: Alright, so here's a rundown of some famous sycamores. Um one of them, uh sadly, was the um cruelly murdered sycamore gap tree. <laughs> Gone before its time. Indeed. <laughs> um one of the most photographed trees in the country, apparently. That makes um, sense. Yes. Um Anyway, apart from that, the ones that are still standing are the Tollpoddle Martyrs tree. Oh, I've heard of them. Yes. Um, I thought this might be your thing, although these were in Dorset, um, not the north. But the Tollpoddle Martyrs were six agricultural labourers who essentially kind of formed a trades union. That was in 1834. And they were arrested and transported to Australia for their pain. It didn't. It didn't go well, as you might have guessed from the name matter. Mm. Uh, however, there was uh, absolute outrage, and they ended up getting brought back. <laughs> so, fortunately, the the people did not let them down. Um, so why, anyway, why is
1: that? Why is that their tree?
0: So apparently, they they met under this tree. Um. To they they had had their meetings there. So oh, I like that. yeah, um, and in two thousand and five, the tree was dated to sixteen eighty. Nice. So that's an early one. Yeah. Um, and that tree you will find at Hole Puddle in Dorset, which is a great name for a place. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, <laughs> the act that they were arrested under was the Unlawful Oaths Act of seventeen ninety seven, which. Um, I, I kind of just love that the name. Um, oh yeah, the, there's there's a whole thing with the
1: unlawful like oath act. Honestly, it's 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 outside of our remit, but go and look it up. It's really interesting.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, you know, pretty oppressive, but also um, interesting name. So another famous sycamore uh, is the Clonina money tree and I probably didn't pronounce that correctly, um, but it is an Irish tree. And the story about this tree goes that St Fintan founded a monastery here in the 6th century, and there was a spring at this monastery that was considered very holy, and pilgrims would come and visit it. And in the 19th century, a Protestant landowner filled in the well to stop people visiting it, Um, and after this, the water started to flow... Uh, from the hollow centre of a sycamore tree that was on the other side of the road. Um, And then so people started um, putting offerings at the tree and hanging rags on it and also pressing coins into the trunk. So it became known as the money tree. Hmm. Um, Which is very nice. Apparently this tree did fall down, um, but new shoots appeared. So it still remains. Uh, a pretty popular spot, especially on St. Vinton's Day, which is probably the 17th. Uh, and then this one also has fallen down. Um, but the New Battle Abbey Sycamore at Dalkeith in Scotland um, was planted in 1550, and that's the earliest known planting date in Scotland. So that we, we know the exact year that that one was planted, which is pretty cool um unfortunately it did fall down in a storm in 2006 but at that point it was 456 years old so that's pretty good to be honest
1: Uh, that is impressive longevity
0: indeed and that is my rundown of trees which brings me to the end of the sycamore episode (laughs) and i hope you all had a good time um and like me, we'll be following the case of the tree felled in the night with keen interest.
2: RPG ideas should be good, right? But what this podcast supposes, is maybe they don't have to be. The Probably Bad Podcast brings you ideas like dire humans fight your GM in real life. And what if there is an I laser man? Listen to the Probably Bad Podcast, available everywhere podcasts exist and some places where they don't.
1: So, uh, local larder. um, it's one that's been on the list for a while, but I was watching a documentary about traditional foods, and I ended up finding it really interesting. Um, I thought I would talk about mole.
2: Well, so I've heard of this. It's a sauce. Um, so it's several kinds of sauce. Uh-huh. Um from Yeah, it's particularly associated with um
1: Oaxaca in Mexico. Okay. And is thought to be um an indigenous dish. So
2: what does it taste like? Well, that very much depends. Um because there are seven types of mole associated with Oaxaca,
1: where the, the main thing that they have in common is ground... It's basically a, a source of ground spices, traditionally, on a stone sort of grinding surface, which I did have the name of. Yeah. Um, so, it's, it's essentially a, a source of ground spices, particularly chilies, um, which you grind on a molcajete with a tejolote, which um, is essentially the indigenous equivalent of a mortar and pestle, often kind of a stone table, and then what looks almost like a, a rolling pin that you actually grind it with. Oh wow!
2: Um, the one that looks more like a table is a batan and unya, I believe. Um, which interestingly, we have evidence of that particular
1: grinding tool being used for a very long time because um, <laughs> to, to get into the the bioarchaeology of it, um, yes, essentially. It takes a long time to grind, especially making mole. Like making mole with a batan is a full day process because of the amount of grinding. Oh wow! And that is a labor doing that movement all day causes a specific kind of wear on the bones, particularly on the spine and also the toes. Interestingly, the amount because of the amount of rocking
2: and. Uh-huh. We have a lot of skeletons going back, you know,
1: centuries pre, pre-colonialism with these markings on them. Oh, I, I don't have the exact dates to hand, but it's... Yeah, like, the, this is a traditional tool which marks your skeleton, which I find really interesting. Um, use it to... Uh, grind grains, including uh, quinoa and corn. And you get the, they get passed down through generations.
0: Oh, so it's like an heir, heirloom kitchen mm-hmm. tool. Yeah, the
1: the documentary I was watching there was one woman who she makes all makes mole from scratch. Like this is her job. Wow. And she uses one that she got from her grandmother, who got it. From her grandmother.
0: Wow! I mean, if it's like a big sort of block of stone, it must last a really long time, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And traditionally, you
1: would have when you were making mole, the the women of the family would come together to like take turns grinding.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense.
1: Although a, a lot of the time now, it is made um, with with grinding mills. But for large events like funerals, a lot of people still do do it by hand. Ah, so you you make this paste of spices, and sometimes other ingredients. Um, apparently, in the US, people uh, consider it to be like a chocolate sauce, mm-hmm. but a lot a lot of it doesn't have chocolate. Though there is uh, negro which has Things that we would consider much more sort of desserty ingredients, ingredients. Um, chocolate, cloves, things like that.
2: And dried fruit. Yeah, that's... But generally, it's more of a, a spice thing, often
1: thickened with things like cornflour. Or um, mole Coloradito uses plantains as a thickening agent. Ooh. So then you simmer that in a cazuela, which is a kind of uh, cauldron and you keep stirring it and then after putting in all of that effort it is, it's a sauce you serve it over
2: meat mm-hmm. Wow, that is one of the most labour intensive condiments that I've ever heard of I think because you have you know traditionally um you use
1: things like the cojasanta herb which is kind of licoricey in mole negro which is quite regionally specific one to oaxaca and um There are a lot of people who say that you shouldn't use dried herbs at all in it because it impacts the flavour and the texture. So if you're doing especially um, the mole Verde, which is coloured from fresh herbs, uh, particularly coriander, you you have to use fresh herbs to actually get it right, essentially.
0: Yeah, I imagine that if you're using dried stuff, it's... Yeah, it's a completely different texture.
1: But Oaxaca specifically is... Apparently it's called the Land of the Seven Moles because the number of climates and indigenous groups mean that you get these incredibly different versions of mole. You have poblano, which is red and uses a combination of chilies and nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, verde, which is much herbier, Negro, which I've talked about, Chichilo, which uses beef stock, which makes it much richer, uh-huh. um, Amarillo, which is the one that's thickened with masa harina generally, um, and is a lot spicier, and Coloradito, which uses chocolate spices, fruit, and plantain. Oh wow. Um yeah, so um Mancha Mantel which uses uh, pineapple and chorizo to make it really bright red. Oh. That's an interesting flavor combination. Like I I, I really want to try it. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: interestingly Mancha Mantel um apparently
2: translates to tablecloth stainer. <laughs> That sounds accurate. But there's there's been kind of a, a movement recently to bring back more traditionally
1: made mole, particularly as there's been more of a push for indigenous voices in Mexican cuisine, because mole comes from um, the Nahuatl world, molly. Which uh, basically
2: means watery food So like a Mm -hmm. sauce or a a soup And as there's been this push for
1: More Indigenous voices And bringing back traditions um, This thing which is already mole Poblano is already kind of considered The national dish of Mexico By a lot of people There's this thing of this is an indigenous dish the people of Oaxaca are proud of this indigenous dish and we, they're going to be pushing it as that not just oh that thing that the people that speak Spanish eat okay yeah again in the US it's basically it's that chocolate sauce that Mexican people put on stuff uh, is it that thing of it's, like it's so much more than that
0: <laughs> yeah is it that thing of like it there is a thing that becomes popular in another country, but people only have sort of one conception of that thing when it actually has.
1: Especially as you move further away from the Mexican border, from what I've been reading. Mm. But it's also one of those things where every family has their own recipe for the various ones.
2: Oh,
0: I love
1: those. So, like, you know, you, you make your great-grandmother's mole recipe using your grandmother's tools and things like that, which I just find really nice. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's a really massive sense of continuity. But now there's actually mole-focused restaurants. Ooh. Um, There's one in Mexico City. There's probably more in Mexico City now. This article's from 2018. (laughs) But, yeah, I just... It sounds really interesting, and I love the idea of... There's this special occasion dish that's also absolutely ancient, and there's multiple different kinds, and everyone's is slightly different within those kinds and I just I don't know, like this is the kinds of local order that I get really into, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah, like in the sense of people are really being um. Engaged with and like connected to the food that they're making, and and it's sort of history. Especially,
1: and... especially when it's from a group that you know, people have tried so hard to erase for such a long time because mm-hmm. colonialism.
2: Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, that sounds delicious, and I really hope we get to try it one day. So,
1: if you want to suggest an episode or anything else really um, you can message us on tumblr at Bread and Thread or email breadandthreadpodcast at gmail.com
0: you can, you can also find us on Patreon as Bread and Thread where we have monthly recipes and a discord server where we talk about crafts and historical news a
1: lot about food oh yeah It's a lot about food. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.